Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Daily Coffee. Today is Wednesday, September 4th, 2019. I'm your host, Carter Laren. I'm joined, as always, by the bad mama jamma, Carrie Smith, who is very happy that the first time I tried to record this, I forgot what month it was and wanted me to leave that in in the intro, but I re-recorded the intro because, uh, I don't know, it seems silly to say today is Wednesday, the 4th of, uh, which is kind of what I I said. (laughs) I thought you should have left it in because I mess up on the date a lot and then some guy in the comments said that I have training wheels on and I thought, I was like, well, screw you, you try doing it every day. Not, not, Not literally screw him, he's, I like him, he's just, come on. (laughs) <laughs> oh, relax. We all screw up sometimes. Uh, except for that was the first time I've ever screwed up. So. <laughs> <laughs> so humble. I know. I, you know what? I just, I have to go with it. So Carrie, you wanted to, you finally watched the Dave Chappelle special. Yeah, I did. I watched it with my friend uh, the other night, my friend Gus, and it was, it's really funny. I mean, I knew I, I knew I was probably going to like it just based on what people have been saying, and I did. Yeah. I laughed a lot. It was funny. I also think it's necessary. People are like, what do you think about it? I think it's hilarious. I think it's necessary. I think it's kind of what we talked about before. It's um, if, if anyone is going to kick down the door of this, this crazy um, vice grip that SJW ideology has on comedy, it's going to be Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle is – the same guy that years and years ago walked away from millions of dollars because of integrity, who walked away from millions of dollars because he was an imperfect man trying to find himself or find, you know, he went out, he was like, you know, in search of truth is the way I look at it from someone on the outside looking at him. That's the way I interpreted it. And at the time they all said he was crazy. The entertainment industry, all the, all the, um, the Hollywood press, everything was like, you know, he's lost his mind. Who walks away from millions of dollars? Right. Uh, <laughs> so I've heard a lot of people say that this is, they think this is like the tide is shifting. The tide is turning culturally. I don't, yes. I don't know if I, I want to believe that. I don't know if that's true. Do you think it's I, true? I do think it's true because he's not the only one doing this kind of pushback comedy now. It's starting, it's like, it's like at the beginning of, so when I was repping SJW comedians and for anyone who might be new watching this, so I used to have a career managing comics and producing comedy and um, uh, I was in it for the ideology because I used to believe in SJW belief system and there was a comic I signed who, before this was popular within entertainment, before it was popular within comedy, I knew it was, it was like, I knew it was coming. I could feel it. Like all of, all of my belief system stuff had been percolating. It was just starting to creep up into the mainstream. And I was excited about that. Cause that was my right. goal. It was like, I believed in this belief system and I felt like it should creep into everything. And, um, and I knew that this one particular comic, I was like, he's going to be, he's going to be a household name within a couple of years. And, you know, he's got a CNN show now and he's doing SJW comedy. And it was right when that was kind of percolating. Not that everyone knows his name, but he is, he broke into the, the bigger. Quote, yeah. mainstream. Right. So, and then, and then all of comedy became SJW, like it shifted that way. And I feel that same thing now, but in the opposite direction, I feel this backlash brewing. I feel um, it's starting to percolate this, this pushback against um, SJW ideology, which makes sense because because comedy is about breaking taboos and comedy is about laughter. We've forgotten that it's about laughter. Um, and so Chappelle is just the biggest name and the one that has the biggest impact doing something like this because, because they can't say no to him. Netflix is super woke. Have you seen the other stuff they air? Like they, they went on a super woke comedy uh, mission a year or two ago but he's Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Like, didn't they have like a show like dear white people and a bunch of stuff like that? They've oh, yeah. Totally. And all their comedy specials, like they've just been picking, picking SJW comics. So not but to he, get too too like not to paint with too broad of a brush, but you know, in my, in my lifetime <clears throat> years, uh, it seems like the left always, they often take two steps forward and then one step back and two steps forward and one step back. So the, the 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 crazy socialism marxism always encroaches but 
sometimes they just like go a little far and culture pushes back a little bit and they, they do it again. But I think that they've gained ground that they're not going to lose here. Well, they're going to try not to cede the ground. But the thing is, if enough comics start, like Ricky Gervais, Gervais is pushing back. You know, he's already done. Right, but some- Ricky and Dave are both old like me. Yeah, but the but you know what? They're not the only ones. The people who are pushing back are the young people. These are just old, big names who have an impact. That's my point. The young people doing it, that's that's where it's percolating. The young people doing it can't kick down the door the way Chappelle is, but enough of them are doing it. They're going to be the next stars. The ones who are pushing back are going to be the next, you know, within a couple years. I do believe you're going to see them breaking through the mainstream. Some of, some of his, he's been criticized, well, he's been criticized by SJWs, of course. They find it's problematic, and, um, right. and we can talk about that. That's hilarious. But he's also been criticized by Owen Benjamin for, for stealing the premise, the large premise of a joke. Um, which, what, what joke was that? Uh, the tease ruin everything. The trans ruins everything for LGBT. The whole, I don't, I the don't whole think that, the, that's not um, yeah, you should watch it side by side. There's some, look, he doesn't, there's not, it's not as, it's not as overt as the Jared Carmichael one. He also line, like actually stole almost line for line a couple of, a couple of bits from Jared Carmichael. Now, do you know who Jared Carmichael is? I've never heard of Jared Carmichael. Again, young. That's what I mean is there are young yeah. people doing this and that's what happens when jokes get stolen. It's usually a bigger name taking stuff that's working really Fair well enough. for people. And so, and I'm not saying, uh, by the way, I'm not saying Dave Chappelle knowingly stole these jokes. I don't, the way that things get taken, it's interesting. It's an interesting phenomenon to me. Who knows how those ended up in his material. It could be a writer. It could be a friend of his who heard it and then is repeating it around him. And then it, he, he riffs on it. That's how that, that's how the Owen Benjamin one could take off. It's like you hear the premise and then you, you talk about it with a friend and then you start riffing on it and it becomes your own, but you, de- you definitely. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm not a guy to defend Dave Chappelle necessarily against Owen Benjamin or this other guy, but in my experience, just even in just the startup world, uh, a lot of people think that they've thought of something or seen something original because the culture is at a particular point where there is a collision of things or there's contradictions yes. or something is interesting. And, the, and people say, oh, I came up with XYZ, but 15 other people came with X, up with XYZ independently at the exact same time. And people will be like, you stole my idea. No, it's, it's just uh, an idea that is relatively obvious to someone who's paying attention. And if, if there's a handful of people who are clever enough to make that funny, then you all came up with the same thing at the same time. And that's not unlikely. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's in the zeitgeist. It's in the collective consciousness. But, but if you look at these jokes side by side, I do believe any writer would say, no, this is, it's, it's not just in the zeitgeist and you both did a joke about this. It's directly, they're linked somehow. So the Owen Benjamin one, Dave Chappelle does this skit about uh, all the, all the uh, LGBTQ letters in the same car driving along is that did Owen Benjamin use the car metaphor as well? Is that no? The car metaphor is different, but he talked about you've got the he did it like alphabets, like you've got the L's, you've got the B's, you've got the T's. You know, he the joke about the B's. Nobody, <laughs> the B's want to have sex with everyone, and so right. you can't really trust them. Like that part is in both. The fact that he's breaking it down by the letters, the fact that he says basically the T's ruined everything. Look, you can shrug it away. I don't care. We don't have to agree. I'm just saying I believe. It's direct. It's more than just collect in the collective consciousness. It yeah, is direct. I, yeah. I don't know. I've, I've, without hearing that from Owen Benjamin, I've heard people talk about, you know, I, and I've thought of it in terms of letters. And, and I think we've said on this show, the T's are ruining it. We haven't used those words exactly, but we've basically said like, why is T included? They're bad for the rest of the community because, you know, the, you've heard Mikey talk about that the, the gays and lesbians have been convincing people, trying to convince people that, hey, we're normal, we're not weird, we're not, you know, we're, we're just like you, we just want to live our lives, treat us equally, leave us alone. And then you've got Jessica Yanov come in and, uh, you know, make the whole community look crazy. So I don't, that one's a reach to me. I, I would kind of just side with Chappelle, but okay, that's fine. What else? But he stole something else word for word, you said? Look, look, uh, by the way, uh, I'm not articulating myself well, I guess. I'm not siding with anyone. I'm just saying okay. I believe these jokes are related, that someone on his team or someone who's talked to him heard that, and it, it became 
part of his routine. I'm they might have. They yeah. might have. There could the be a common one, source, right? They could be that Owen right. heard it from someone who heard it, who the same person Chappelle heard it from, right? No, no. Um, the other <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm very skeptical of like, because Owen said it and Dave said it, therefore some writer must have taken it from Owen. Like I, that's, it's not Again, that I'm not crazy. saying taken it from, it's, it's an evolution of, but it, it's too similar for to put them side by just watch them side by side. Like All right, I'll, I'll watch them side by I, I'll I'll watch them side by side. But like I said, a lot of people come up with the same thing independently at the same right. time in culture. So I I don't. Okay. But but you say he word for word took something else. Yeah. So Jared Carmichael, who is lesser known, I guess, um, he has a whole joke about about. Uh, Michael Jackson, in which he also mentioned some of the very same people in the setup, in the joke that Chappelle did, uh, Chris Brown. He mentioned, um, gosh, who was the other one he mentioned? Uh, R. Kelly. So all three of those were kind of in the same joke. But the the line for line bit is kind of towards the end where he talks about it, you know, this really dark, darkly humorous idea of like, he's like, well, I'm just saying that could have been the best thing that ever happened to those little kids because at the end of the day, it's Michael friggin' Jackson. And if it were me, I would, he's like, I would have gone to school the next day and I would have bragged about it. I mean, like, oh, what did you do this weekend? You got a video game? You played a new video game? Oh, cool. Okay. The king of pop sucked my blank. <laughs> and that's pretty much like the whole, the whole punchline's the yeah. same and it's the same. So again... That sounds a lot more similar to me. To, it is. It is. Well, I mean, but again, you... You could also arrive at that joke without ever having heard it, his, but the point, I think a lot of times you see these things. It's like when, when Carlos Mencia was caught doing um, some of um, Cosby's jokes. And when you listen to, and, it, and it's like, well, hey, somebody, anybody could joke about these two things in this way and you could arrive at it, collective consciousness, whatever, in the zeitgeist. But when you listen to them side by side and you look at it, it's, it's like, as a writer, sometimes I think, Anyway, it it just it's too too similar. <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, that the it's the way it's constructed. It's not just the joke. The it's Michael the Jackson setup and stuff actually was the most uh, interesting to me in the entire show because it was one of those things where he was joking about something that I take very seriously and, and like and extremely upset about, and he was saying things that obviously I completely like. He was joking about things that were really dark and really horrible and in a way that was dismissive of you know child exploitation and child rape and and yet i i like i don't know i i hadn't heard i'd realized it was i realized that that was a normal experience for comics for me listening to comics in the past like there would be some area they would go and I would be like, whoa, that's, I don't like that. But it's kind of funny. And I'm not upset by him for saying it. Like I'm not mad at right. that. Right. It just right. moved on. Like, uh, I get it. It's kind of funny. Uh, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. Um, but, but then the next joke is great and I just move on. And like, there's no, I'm not, you know, out protesting, trying to get it shut down or cancel culture around the guy. And that part was an interesting reminder because I, it, it wasn't until I heard that that I realized, oh, that's been absent for a really long time. Everything is milk toast. I'm hearing stupid jokes about nothing. Yes. That's nothing yes. challenging me ever. Everything's just bland. I've been yeah. living in this bland, bland world, thanks to social justice, where no one can say anything except for white man, bad, orange man, bad, blah, 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 Trump. I mean. Yeah, so that, that to me is that is a talented comedian because that, that you're, they're supposed to be saying things that they don't, they obvi he obviously is, doesn't believe that children should be molested or that. Right. I don't think he believes that either. Just right. <laughs> that is comedy is you take horrible things. And look, when they say like rape isn't funny, no rape is not funny. That's why if you can make somebody laugh at it right. and, and make it in and, and look co good comics, take this issue and then they come at it from this, sometimes from this side that you've never thought about, from this warped, warped perspective that is somehow humorous. And the punchline is on, oftentimes on the comic. It's like, what a weird mind to think that way, or what a dark, like it's, 
it's funny because it's um oh, that's a good point it's at the expense of the comic yes it's at the expense of the comic so, so it's I, not punching up or down it's like punching yourself basically yes so during the me too stuff i have this picture with al franken and when he got accused of like you know groping and all this and which i thought right. was ridiculous i i'm sorry i'm one of, I, I don't think all the accusations again it it sucks i even have to say that it depends on the person and the accusations and the context in al franken's case mm-hmm. i thought a lot of the accusations were bogus they just didn't read as um compelling and i personally didn't didn't think believe them or think it was a big deal like one of them was like we took a photo and he squeezed my side uh, okay like uh, how many <laughs> how hard is that to misinterpret and how many times is that what Wasn't there a photo of him literally molesting her while she was unconscious that was a different woman and it he was it was obviously a comedic picture they were on a comedy tour together and she was sleeping and somebody took a po- photo with him going like he's like touching her he obviously wasn't groping her it was for a picture where he's like look what i did while you were sleeping it's like you I may see. not find that funny but that's that, that that's comedian joking around right um, and to say oh i got groped while i was asleep why would he take a photo going like look what i'm doing and then give the photo to you right right <laughs> right yeah fair like, so fair. anyway when all that stuff was happening i have a picture with him and i i posted it and said when all the hashtag me too stuff was happening i posted my photo with me and him staying there together and i said you know, hashtag, why not me? And <laughs> I had, this is, a, I'm just using this as an example because I had to try and explain it at the time. I had a friend, I thought that was hilarious. I had a friend say, you know, oh, you're making fun of victims of sexual assault. I'm like, no, I'm not. No, the punchline there is me. Right. What kind of, what kind of person would go, why didn't I get groped? Right. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're punching at yourself. Right. Like who would be like, am I not attractive enough to get molested? <laughs> like, <laughs> But that's what that joke is. And so people, I, I, it, I, anyway, I, this is kind of a, a little rant about what you said, but yes, this is how safe and unfunny and how PC we've gotten in comedy that it's now, it seems like new again to see a comedian um, saying and making, making things, uh, poking fun of taboo subjects and making things that are not funny, funny. You, did he make you laugh with that joke? Because he made me laugh with it. The Michael Jackson. Uh, the Michael Jackson one? Yeah. I don't remember if I laughed out loud. I probably smiled a little bit and was like rolled my eyes and was like, oh my God. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> Well, it made me laugh. And it made me laugh when Jared did it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I... I don't know, Carrie. Like Mikey, you mentioned my friend uh, Mike Harlow. Mm-hmm. Mikey's talked about this before. If especially people who are have some type of relationship to taboo subjects, like if you are if you've been raped, sometimes finding ways to make fun of it and make light of it is that that's what that's what humor is for. It relieves tension and it helps with the healing process. And you know, if you're a victim of abuse, like dark humor about that abuse sometimes is is a way to like move past it. You've taken this thing that is traumatic and you turn it into like a punchline. Yeah. And so, um, you know, the, the same, any, any subject, I, this is why I, I, um, when I was in SJW, I got sucked into thinking, you know, there are certain things you can't joke about and kind of thing, you know, and, right. right. And, um, there was this whole controversy back when I was, uh, producing totally biased, this, uh, late night show. And it was like an SJW late night show. And we had an episode where we debated whether or not you can do jokes about rape. And we had um, comedian Jim Norton on, and then we had this insufferable SJ, professional SJW columnist, Lindy West on, who at the time I was like, I'm such a big fan of hers, <laughs> of hers. <laughs> Cause I was in that belief system and they had this whole debate. And I, I remember back then I, because I was a good little you know, zombie. I'm like, yeah, I guess she's right. But it, it it always felt wrong. And it always felt wrong. Even though I would speak the right thing, it felt wrong to say there are certain things you can't joke about. Let me ask you a question. Did you, when you were in SJW and speaking those things, were you aware that you were virtue signaling to, in order to gain 
some semblance of like self-worth or like feel better about yourself? Sometimes. Yeah. Especially you were with, aware. Yeah. Especially with online stuff because, and I, and most, if you have any SJWs in your echo chamber, look at the stuff they post and how and, and what they say about it because they, there is so much pressure in that belief system to to speak the correct thing and not to mess up. And, you know, we've talked about this in episodes before, like most recently in the um, maybe like the deprogrammed episode that we did on uh, white fragility and the yeah. white, the girl that did the white fragility bingo. And, and she says, in the <laughs> you know, this will help white people learn what they should and should not say. It's like, there's so much about what you should not say. And so people are really, they self-censor a lot. And um, I will say just from personal experience, there was this whole thing about like anything you posted online, you had to kind of run it through your SJW filter and make sure that you weren't using anything incorrectly. If you accidentally use the term spirit, like I love, I love uh, Bernie Sanders. He's my spirit animal. You can't say spirit animal. That's, you know, that's oh, a native Americans. Yeah. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> or like, um, I really hate misogyny. It's, super lame you can't say lame that's ableist right right so so you had to make sure that everything was like pure pure refined sjw tenants and so when you did share something when i did share something um there were times i mean i was i was a true believer it wasn't like it was fake but i definitely knew i would i would kind of internally pat myself on the back i think when i knew something was like this oh people are gonna like this one yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, and this is important, and I'm going to I'm going to share it, and I'm go- you know, and like, could it be? Could we reword it in a way that I'm going to move up the hierarchy with this post? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they and they right. they yeah. uh, there are some of them who it's so obvious to me now on the other side of it, and looking at it and looking at the stuff that they share and how um, how much it's like uh, cultivating a this 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 ideologically pure woke ally persona so i mean you and i maybe talked about this off camera once but um i have um some of my new christian friends they're we we were talking about facebook once or there was like this this prayer request where people were kind of talking about how they wanted prayer for they wanted people to pray for them to, so that they didn't feel like, like they, like for them, Facebook and social media is a place where people compete to present this perfect version of themselves, like the perfect family or the perfect life with like the perfect photos and the perfect spouse oh. and kids and vacation. And, yep. and so there's this, um, this ego driven desire to, uh, to compete and to, and jealousy. And they were talking about jealousy and resentment at other people's, carefully crafted lives. And that was really interesting to me because I um, don't use Facebook that way. Um, and so I don't, it's not a, like all my stuff is pretty much, I'm on a crusade for better or worse. I'm really obsessed with my old belief system. And so, and so. You don't say. <laughs> I can't help but be like, ah, this is what's happening. And so anyway, that's the way I use it. But, but um but if you think about it, um, SJWs use it in they, they're crafting a persona too. It's not about having for SJWs. It's not about having the perfect um, family. It's not about putting out a social media profile that shows the perfect family and the perfect life. They're competing to show who is the wokest of the woke allies. Right. It's the perfect adherent to the belief system. Yes. Who is adhering most perfectly, and who has amassed the most marginalized friends? <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, uh, That's not tokenizing people at all. They totally tokenize. <laughs> and uh, it's really important to them so much so that they have, we've talked about this, but they have in these private groups, they have like, how can I make more female friends of color? <laughs> right. right. Um, you know, this is reminding me of something that I think Jordan Peterson talks about, but I'll just relate it to me personally. So I, I grew up in a very religious household and for all of the flaws that I found in, and even religious people, if they knew my history would agree, there's lots of flaws uh, in, in what I was taught. But for all of those flaws, 
the focus was still very internal. Now, I would argue that it was very, it was overly self-critical, but it was, it was about introspection and trying to be a better person. Now, I was using uh, external judgment for that, and I was overly critical. There was a whole bunch of problems with it. But when I became an atheist, I, I think it could have been very easy. And I think maybe I did go through a period of, of time where this was true, where I ceased my self-criticism. Actually, that's not true. I'm not going to claim I went through. I, I didn't. I've always been very self-critical. But so that, that stuck with me. However, I think a lot of people without religion, when, you, when you're trying to make the world a better place, like for me, trying to make the world a better place always started with myself. Like, yes, we're doing this show and I, I, wanna, I wanna help save Western civilization in whatever way I can, but also I've got a lot that I need to work on and I'm, I'm very self, you know, Carrie, I'm very self-critical. And I think if you don't have that, I don't know if it, if it originates in Christianity, or I don't know, if it, but it is part of Western culture generally. And, it, and actually, Dr. Uh, Dr. Rachel Brown talked about this as part of Western culture, is this kind of ability to, or, or desire to, to introspectively analyze what you're doing and question what you're doing and really try and improve um, yourself. And that seems to be, when that's absent, I think people replace that with controlling other people. And, and if, if I look at the social justice community in general, and, and actually we can paint an even broader stroke than just social justice, it's a lot of people. It's human nature if you're, I think, you're, you're totally, if you're not looking inward, you're looking outward. Yeah, and so people look and they, they're like, they they turn their attention to controlling what everyone else does, controlling what they say, controlling how they vote, controlling what they think. Um, you know, everything becomes about getting upset that Dave Chappelle told the joke you didn't like, or getting upset that someone said something you didn't like, or getting upset that someone believes something you don't like, or getting upset that two people are voluntarily exchanging in some interaction where there's no victim, but you don't like the interaction for whatever reason it is. Like all of that is very external. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I'm saying this as an atheist, I think something was lost when we, as a culture, started to abandon Christianity in that this, this internal focus, this, this self-reflection has been largely lost. And you don't, again, as an atheist, I would argue you don't need Christianity for that, but you do have to focus on, you have to realize that that's necessary because if you don't, if you don't do that, I think you fall into this trap. It's very easy to fall into this trap of criticizing everyone else. And that's very easy to do. Like we could sit here all day and sometimes we do criticize other people, but you know, we could all day long, I could sit and yell about Alyssa Milano. I could just follow her tweets all day and bitch about Alyssa Milano, but that's not helping anything really. And it shouldn't really be the focus. And we could bitch about leftists who they say things we don't like. And, and we do talk about that, but we're pushing back mostly against, against this culture of being a busybody, being a, an authoritarian busybody, trying to control everyone else. Leave people alone and focus on yourself. And I think that's what Jordan meant when he talked about like clean your own room or like why should we listen to what you have to say about society if you can't keep, you know, make your own bed in the morning, right? Yeah. This is, I love what you're talking about. I'm, I, I was looking for this one, uh, this one quote that you're making me think of, I think it's a Carl Jung quote, but it's about looking, it's about looking in inward versus outward. And, and this completely resonates with me because this is part of what helped me leave my old ideology. It's, it's what you're saying. I was there just going to ask you, was that the key thing? Have we, uh, is that the key thing that helped you leave your ideology was just turning your focus? Yes. In a big way. Yes. Because I had been focused on, controlling other people and and um you know this this might be this isn't the quote i was looking for but look at this one thing carl jung everything that irritates us about others can lead us to a better understanding of ourselves it's like it's not just sjw ideology there but but that's a great example of 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 an ideology that that employs this 
that belief, that belief system is all about ignoring your personal faults, ignoring personal responsibility. You're not trying to grow as a human. You are looking outward and you are trying to make sure that everyone adheres to this religion that you've now adopted. And, uh, and you're trying to, um, speak the tenets of it perfectly and correctly, but you're not thinking and you're not growing and there's no inner growth. I said this uh, to a friend recently and I, cause I was thinking about the, the, the word woke, the word woke, which is the SJW word. Like I'm, you know, you're woke. You're right. The implication is everyone else is asleep, which is right. But listen to the tense. Woke is past tense. It's like everything's done. It's not an awakening. Awakening is present tense. Mm. Awakening is continual. It's evolving. It's growing. Um, when you're awakening, you're looking inside and you are it's active, it's active and you were, and there are things you don't know that you are still learning. And it's, 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 right. it's a present tense word. Woke is like done, finished. Yeah, Talk you're right. That's a good point. Woke is like, over. Woke is over. It's in the past. I'm, I'm saved at the end. Yeah, I'm good. I know the right belief system now. There's nothing left for me to learn. I'm woke. Let me now, <laughs> let me now go into the world and repeat this, these mantras. Right. I'm woke. You're not. End of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and that's a perfect representation of their mind. My mind was so shut. Like I, I, in my first essay, I think I wrote, it was like when I left my belief system, it was like leaving a prison of my mind that I had created. I didn't, I wasn't inquisitive. Um, I wasn't spiritual. I didn't, it wasn't about personal growth. It, it, it fools you into thinking it is, because you're like learning the things you can and cannot say. You're right. learning things you can and cannot say, but you're not learning. You're not growing. You're not discovering truth. You're, you're memorizing the correct way to speak the ideology. Um, right. And you're, you're not searching and you're, you're scared. Like they keep you fearful about searching. And so um, I wasn't reading. I used to, I was like, and I am the big, I love to read, but for years, like I, I pretty much quit. I mean, it, I still read, but it wasn't like it wasn't like it was when I was a kid, and it wasn't like it is now. Um, I had no interest in history. I had no interest in um, uh, like there are things that have just woken up in me that are that are awakening in me in the past couple of years that weren't there before. Like I want to go back to college now. <laughs> yeah. No, you and me both. I'm realizing how. I think I've said this before, but I just didn't learn history very well. And uh, I'm, I'm like taking classes now. I'm taking online classes now in a couple of different subjects of history, just because I'm realizing how rich it is, how interesting it is and how little I know of, of history. Um, someone just brought up the other day, Oh, you guys should know, you, you should do some more research and know more about the rise of labor union, uh, labor movement. Yeah. Totally should. (laughs) Don't know much about it. Right. Um, And I think that's, I think it's really, it's much more fulfilling to be focusing on yourself. Also, you feel much better when you do finally make a breakthrough or improve a little bit. It feels, it feels much better than, oh, I was able to give the smack down to the alt-right person on Twitter, which is like, okay. Well, that's a great example. You say like, yeah, we should, you should know more. Of course we we're not experts on everything. Nobody is. And um, that's what that woke ideology is about. They, they um, there's this need to be correct and right about everything. And they pretend and they pretend and they, and they speak, this is Jordan Peterson talks about don't lie and don't speak opinions that are not your own. That's all SJW belief It's all about speaking opinions right. that are not your own. Right. And, you know, think they have an opinion on everything and they often haven't read the thing they're criticizing or watched it or at the next time some SJW tells you like, Oh, they, you know, Miley Monopolis is blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, Mike Cernovich right. is nah, nah, nah. Okay. Not saying you're wrong, but tell me why have you, what, what speech of his did you listen to or what book did you read or what video did you watch? Well, I don't have to watch it because blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well then, you're just a puppet. You're just a puppet talking somebody else's opinion. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of a story, Carrie. Uh, this was, must have been, oh man, it was probably all, it was almost 20 years ago. I was uh, working, I had a friend, um, how do I want to introduce this? 
I had a friend who was, she was first generation Korean immigrant. And she was reading, I had given her Atlas Shrugged. We were having a lot of philosophy conversations and I had given her Atlas Shrugged. And she was doing something called uh, ride share in the Bay Area. Basically, you like line up on one side of the bridge and people pick you up and take you to work in the morning for free because it allows them to get in the carpool lane. So there's a whole coordinated uh, commuter thing, or there was, I don't I, I assume it still exists. Anyway, so she was doing that and she, that's how she would get to work in the morning. She lived in the East Bay and work was in San Francisco. It's just they had to cross the Bay Bridge. So she would wait at the stop and someone would pick her up and bring her into the city. And same, same as going home. But anyway, so she had Atlas Shrugged with her because she was reading it. And she was about halfway through, I think. And she got to work one day and she said, the weirdest thing just happened to me. And I said, well, what happened? She said, well, this woman picked me up. And so my, my friend was not super social. So she was just going to sit there and read because that's the type of person she is. So she got out her book and she was reading. And the driver said, oh, how can you read that? And knowing nothing about Ayn Rand and only being halfway through the book, she's like, well, what do you mean? And the driver was like, well, she's racist and sexist and blah, blah, blah. Like just every, you know, every bad word of the day. Now it would be, I don't know, not rogue misogynist. Who knows? Uh, she's <laughs> racist. Well, racist was the big one. And my friend said, really? I, I haven't noticed that yet. I'm like, Halfway through the book, I, I haven't seen that anywhere. Where's that? What parts are racist? Honest to God, you know what the answer was? You can guess the answer, Carrie. <laughs> she's never read it. I don't know, I never read it, but I know she's a racist. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, always the case. And I'm going, yeah, yeah. Well, the other, the thing about this is when you start, when you start trying to make sure you're not, speaking other people's opinions and you try to hold yourself accountable and try to be honest and research and, and, and actually take the time to form an opinion on things and be willing to say, I don't know enough about that. Right. Yet. I don't have an opinion or this is my opinion, but it's, but it's just based on this article I read and I haven't read the source, you know, or what, you know, to be on, when you right. start be honest about that stuff, then, then you notice you just start to see how many people do it all the time. And, and, and how often you were doing it without realizing you were doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, we all still do it, but yeah. it's important to be able to, you know, realize when you're doing it and then. Yeah. Again, do a mea culpa and, because nobody's perfect. You're going to, there are right. times when I will start to feel like I should know something even like, like great examples when you're in conversation and somebody's like, Oh, and you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, and you want to be like, yeah, and then, but you have to stop being like, no, I actually don't. The name yeah, might I have no idea what you're talking about, <laughs> but it's not coming to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Can you can you tell me about it? You don't have to be an expert, but the right. SJWs will pretend to be. Yeah, <laughs> totally. I, it's this has been a very interesting conversation, Carter. I think even though we got a little far afield, but it's related the yeah. stuff we were talking about. And um, but I guess to bring it back to Chappelle and the SJW response to him. Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to show you predictably, predictably, this is what the performative SJW, professional SJW class of people, um, this is, this, let me share this. This is how they're responding. I'm just going to pull up one article of many. Pace Magazine. Uh, I, don't, I don't know Pace Magazine, but okay. Okay, well, it's an entertainment magazine from what I, I think it used to be music, a music mag. But anyway, Dave Chappelle's new Netflix special reminds us that the most successful comedians are also the most sensitive. So they try to paint him as this is one of their things where they try to do a judo trick and they try to say like, you call us fragile and snowflakes. We're going to call you that. So they, they even say um, they call him his fragile ego. It's less a comedy special than an hour long expose of Chappelle's fragile ego. Um, what does that even mean? They it basically they're trying to say that if you don't like SJW ideology, it's because it threatens you because you're such a snowflake. Oh, that you yeah, can't hand, you can't handle it. Um, and they, for example, his defense of Louis C.K. For example, they 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 find that very problematic, and that um, 
you know, that he's being a snowflake and that CK is being a snowflake because they can't handle, you know, the repercussions of being a misogynist and being a, and so that's one. And, but then look at this. I think you're going to love this. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is you and I, when we talked about this briefly the other day, we looked at rotten tomatoes and at that time there were just a few, um, of the reviews from the yes. elite. Well, now look at the audience score. I saw this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So 17% now it's just six reviews, but come on, this is indicative of the whole, they're going to continue. They're going to be more reviews and they're all going to be like this 17% of the media elite. That's what they say. Or they say that the, the show gets a 17%. Right. Just be clear with people. The audience scores the one on the right. And the one on the left is their, their, their elite critics who know what to think and are going to tell us whether the show is good or not. Yeah. The elite critics are telling us that this is a bomb. This is a splatter. It's only 17% good. Right. <laughs> or, but the audience thinks it's 99% good. The audience is like, we like this. Now look at the opposite. Look at the Hannah Gatsby, Nanette. Now this is a comedy, comedy special that is the opposite. This is a woke performative one woman show and not that there aren't funny parts. I laughed at parts of it, but it's not a comedy special. It's more accurately would be described as a, uh, a sermon or a one woman show. And, okay. uh, but it was heavily pushed by the, the media elites and look at their tomato meter, a hundred percent good. <laughs> uh, the, the audience disagrees though. And look, the, the audience is more honest because the audience score isn't 17%. It's not like super splat. It's like, eh, it's kind of good at part. Like, they're, at least they're honest. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, it's kind of funny, but eh, yeah. eh. 65. I, the, how can 100% of the media leave? Like, this is the show you must watch. You know, like, I just love those comparisons. It makes me laugh. You know um, what's... Um, What's reminding something that you said earlier for the previous article, the um, you said they were kind of saying he had a fragile ego and anyone who disagrees it's because they have a fragile ego or whatever it is. It reminds me of something I've seen with uh, going around Twitter with guns recently, Carrie, it's the, it's the, uh, Oh, anyone who, uh, anyone who, I think Geraldo Rivera tweeted this, you know, basically say anyone who hasn't wants an AR 15, I have to, you know, I have to wonder about their penis size or whatever. He's like, or made some comment about, oh, only only people who are not masculine and have small penises want guns. And it's and and I also saw this from a feminist. Like, so like women. Yeah, I no also one. saw this from a yeah, exactly. Your penis is too small, Carrie. Um, <laughs> I also saw this from a, a feminist about some other topic, and it's getting to be kind of common where in this case, someone disagreed with her and her response was basically incel, right? So it's getting to be that if you disagree with them in any way, their go-to response is ad hominem and make no mistake that Dave Chappelle article, that's just ad hominem. That's just, he has a fragile ego, fragile ego, fragile ego, right? That's small penis, fragile ego, incel. No one wants to date you. Like those are all that they just, throw that crap at you because they have literally no other argument. They have no argument. It's just, it's just throwing something, hoping that you actually do have a fragile ego and that it will stick. But if yeah. you don't, it won't stick and it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't. That's, that's the way to respond to them when they call you names. It's like, I don't care what names you call me, whatever. Um, this, okay, one other, one other. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's see. Actually, two more. This, okay, so this one's good. This is another comparison side by side. The, the Netflix, I think it was Netflix documentary. This is about the, uh, the four, the squad, knock the house down. Uh, 100% media elites. <laughs> wow, they all love AOC. Go figure. Go figure. Audience score, 35%. <laughs> <laughs> but how could the, how could the media elites be, be wrong? It's not like they didn't accurately predict the 2016 election. <laughs> you know what this reminds me of? I've, I've, I've uh, said this before, but in the book, The Fountainhead, there's Ellis Wyatt, not Ellis Wyatt, ugh, wrong book. Um, damn, the guy who's in charge of the paper, I don't remember his name anymore. Um, he, he owns this, Winand, Gail Winand. He owns this, paper, this newspaper empire 
And he thinks he's in control because he's like the elite. He owns all these papers. But when he actually tries to push something that he believes rather than what everyone else wants to believe, it totally doesn't work. And I, I kind of feel like this is how, you know, the Netflix are like, no, 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 this is great 100%. And the audience is like, eh, 30 something, you know. <laughs> you know, you're not actually in control. You just think you're in control. Yeah, it's, and look, Chappelle's aware of this. I, I didn't write them down. I wish I'd wrote them. Wish I'd written them down. But at the beginning of the um, of the special, he flashed like two or three quotes on the screen. And if you read them in order, he was basically saying, um, "The people are going to like this." But anyway, you're making me think of that because I before it even started, I was like, "Oh, oh, he knows." <laughs> yeah. Like he knows, and he predicted it accurately. Look at the look at the public response. Ninety nine percent. Okay, this is the last one I thought you might enjoy. This is that meme of putting on the glasses. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You put the CNN glasses on and suddenly Dave Chappelle is a member of the KKK. Yeah, you put the glasses on and, oh, what he's saying is white supremacy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, you know, the good thing is if comedians want to attack the woke left there's a lot of material so there is and you see you again i think it's just um you see comics like uh constantine kissin right mm -hmm. he did a whole show in edinburgh recently and there were other other comics there doing shows criticizing the pc left and it's it's starting to happen right. I, well, I think it is andrew doyle Right. Does Tatiana McGrath, who Tatiana McGrath actually had a, she was at Edinburgh Fringe, Fringe Festival. Uh, she had, he got an act, he got a friend of his or someone he knows that kind of looked like her to play Tatiana McGrath. Oh, that's and, hilarious. And did I didn't know that. Um, Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes, who we talked to on the podcast. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, there are starting to be more. Now, here's, here's the, another prediction. Once it does become popular once there's a mass okay now this is the culture then you're just going to see hack anti-sjw hack anti-pc people again and then they're right. going to be making tv shows with these hacks but right now you're seeing some really talented people who are starting to percolate and, and rise to the top who are who are not afraid to be the first to say like hey this is this is this is hilarious <laughs> and we'll likely see some sjw latecomers switch and be on this oh, side because yeah. they didn't really care. They were just trying to fit in. Oh yeah. Well, we saw them look at, look at a, some of the big names now who've become SJWs. They're not true believers. I don't believe they are. They're opportunists. So because it is the culture and it is popular, like what's his name? The guy we talked about with Mark Hughes, um, Jim Jeffries. Jim Jeffries is a, is a fake. <laughs> He's a fake SJW and a very loud fake SJW. Can I just be clear? It's not popular. It's just being pushed. It's and eventually pushed. the cathedral is going to get tired of pushing it because no one is biting. Right. To be clear, when I say popular, it's popular with the media elite, just like we saw these percentages. It's right. popular with the people at Netflix who buy specials. It's popular with the agencies and the management companies right now. It's popular with the networks who are buying pilots and TV shows. When the, right before I folded my company, I was, uh, we had a pilot in production and it was an SJW pilot, an SJW comedy pilot, reality comedy pilot. It was up against several other SJW comedy pilots. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> because that's what people want right now. They're like, right. we want something that's woke. And so that's what I mean by popular. It's not popular with the people, clearly. <laughs> right. But it's popular with the, the propagandists in the cathedral. Yes. So. And as soon as it becomes popular with those media elite to then criticize PC culture, as soon as the networks and the agencies and the, and the um, management companies and the, the, the Netflixes, as, as soon as they're all like, oh, we sh it, it, as soon as they switch and they're saying, okay, it's popular now to criticize this, that's when you'll start seeing hacks switch over. You'll see Jim Jeffries become anti-SJW, anti-woke to get his next show. Well, that will be interesting because to me, it will be interesting to see which of these companies actually underwent convergence and they will refuse to switch despite, despite the fact that the ship is sinking. They will yeah. stay on it. And then there will be the ones that you can see were the opportunists who 
basically looked around and were like, oh, we need some more woke ads. Let's do that. And the minute woke ads don't work or it seems like it's getting pushed back, they'll switch and go back to whatever. And shareholders, that's up to you. Short their stock. Get rid of, uh, who owns Gillette? Is it, uh, it's not Unilever. It's the other one, I think. Uh, Procter & Gamble. Thank you. I, yeah. So I think what's going to happen is you'll see the bigger ones, like the agencies, like CAA and places like that. They're, they're, they're not, convergence hasn't happened to that degree. The people in charge of the ship are not true believers. You know what I mean? So they're, they're going to, they're going to just reverse course, but you'll see perhaps companies like Netflix or somewhere if you've, if they've hired enough true believers in the, who are at the top of that company now who are running it, they will let the ship go down rather than turn course. Right. That's what I mean. That's what (laughs) I mean. Until the shareholders fire them. Yeah, which will happen eventually, right? Eventually people will lose money and the board will fire people or the board will get replaced if they won't fire people. But I think you're right. I think, I think CAA is a great example of a company that I think is basically just run by people with no ideology and they're opportunists who are trying to make a buck. So they don't really care. They don't care. They're just money vampires. Yeah, exactly. Money vampires. (laughs) Whoever thought money vampires might be a good thing to have, but, you know, money, money vampires. vampires versus the actual devil incarnate. I'll take money vampires every time. Money vampires just go where there's money to be sucked. Right. <laughs> well, on that note, this was a meandering, but fun show, Carrie. Was, I enjoyed it. It was real fun. I liked it. I, if you'll notice, I skipped saying please like and share at the beginning because I'm thinking we should do it at the end so we can just jump right into our stuff at the beginning generally. So I'm going to say it now. Please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, follow. Um, if you can support us on Subscribestar, we would be forever grateful. And if not, please just share the video, like it, uh, subscribe if you haven't to YouTube. And I don't know we what else. Merch- oh, there's merch. We have merchandise on our store and we're doing book club coming up. We're going to be talking about uh, 198 George Orwell's 1984 on September 15th. September, I haven't even started. I mean, I've read it in the past, but I haven't started yet. So it looks pretty short. So I'll be good. September 15th. September 15th, guys. And thank you for tuning in. Thanks for hanging with us. <laughs>